Good evening. Welcome to Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in the Loop on this second Saturday of Lent. My name is Pastor Ben Adams, and we are so grateful to have you with us this night. And we welcome you in this space in the name of Christ, who first welcomed us. And we welcome one another, no matter who we are or where we're from, no matter who we choose to love or marry, no matter how we identify with our gender, no matter our age, our ability, our documentation status, our voting record, even how we feel about organized church or religion, or especially during this time, church online. We hope that this is a space where you experience a sense of God's belonging and peace and presence in your life. As we get started here tonight, I want to do something that we haven't done in a little while now, but I want to invite everybody, if you're comfortable, to turn on your video camera and to go into gallery view so that we can just give each other a wave to uh, recognize the body of Christ gathered here this night as uh, we get started with our worship here, just to recognize everyone gathered in this virtual space. And we welcome one another and we begin our service here with our confession and, our for and forgiveness. So I give you a chance now to take a deep breath to center your hearts and minds and spirits as we prepare for worship. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God, creator of the stars of night, companion at the evening table, breath over the deep waters. Amen. Let us pray. God of all mercy and consolation, come to the help of your people, turning us from our sin to live for you alone. Give us the power of your Holy Spirit that attentive to your word, we may confess our sin, receive your forgiveness and grow into the fullness of your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. In silence, let us confess before God the harm we have inflicted in thought, word, and deed. In silence, let us confess before God the good we have left undone. Lord, 
In silence, let us confess before God the evil done in our name and with our quiet approval. in mercy, loved us even when we were dead in sin, and made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Almighty God, strengthen you with the power through the Holy Spirit, that Christ may live in your hearts through faith. Amen. Cross that rain and streaming. 
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. Let us pray. O oh God, by the passion of your blessed Son, you made an instrument of shameful death to be for us the means of life. Grant us so to glory in the cross of Christ that we may gladly suffer loss for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, our what? Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. I think it's now. A reading from Genesis. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will make you exceedingly numerous. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You shall be the ancestor of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the ancestor of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make nations of you and rulers shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offering after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. God said to Abraham, as for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her Sarah, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her and she shall give rise to nations. Rulers of peoples shall come from her. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. Neither is the Lord. 
God's face hidden from them. But when they cry out, the Lord hears them. From you comes my praise in the great assembly. I will perform my vows in the sight of those who fear the Lord. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Let those who seek the Lord give praise. May your hearts live forever. When I was sinking down, sinking down, sinking down, when I was sinking down, sinking down, all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of nations shall bow before God. Your dominion belongs to the Lord, who rules over the nations. To God and to the Lamb, I will sing, I will sing. To God and to the Lamb, I will sing. Indeed, all who sleep in the earth shall bow down in worship. All who go down to the dust, though they be dead, shall kneel before the Lord. Their descendants shall serve the Lord, whom they shall proclaim to generations to come. They shall proclaim God's deliverance to a people yet unborn, saying to them, The Lord has acted. And when from death I'm free, I'll sing on, I'll sing on. And when from death I'm free, I'll sing from Romans. The promise that he would inherit the world did not come to Abraham or to his descendants through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. If it is the adherents of the law who are to be heirs, faith is null and the promise is void, for the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, neither is there violation. For this reason, it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only the adherents of the law, but also to those who share that faith of Abraham, for he is the father of all of us. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into his existence the things that do not exist. Hoping against hope, 
he believed that he would become the father of many nations, according to what was said, so numerous shall your descendants be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was already as good as dead, for he was about a hundred years old, or when he was considering the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, being fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Therefore, his faith was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now the words it was reckoned to him were written not for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be reckoned to us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was handed over to death for our trespasses and was raised for our justification. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, but turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and my words in, the, in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed 
when he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. If you're anything like me, this pandemic has caused you to be hyper-focused on probabilities. For a while there, when COVID was spiking back during the holiday season, there was a number that really stood out to me and it shocked and even scared me. It said that if you lived in the city of Chicago and were attending a gathering of 10 people, there was a 60% chance that one of those folks was infected with the virus. That's a high probability of transition. And it was a reason that I, and I'm assuming probably many of you, decided that this would instead be a Zoom holiday with family and friends. And that probably wasn't an easy decision to make, but with a 60% chance of infection, I'm not taking those odds. I'm willing to bet that even when making other decisions in our lives, we do a lot of odds calculations and go with the choice that gives us the best odds of avoiding unnecessary suffering and pain. I know that when I'm leaving for a trip in the car, I try to give myself the best chance of avoiding any traffic, especially rush hour traffic in Chicago, because for me, sitting in traffic is painful suffering. Or to flip that, we also make the decision to do things so that they not only avoid pain and suffering, but have the most opportunity to do the most good. It reminds me of the time when we were transitioning from serving our South Loop community table meal here at Grace Place to where we are now at Second Presbyterian Church. And we had to pick a location that was, and a time that would give us the best chance of serving the most people. So we decided that Second Presbyterian Church, which is located by a bus station and a train and is walkable from the loop where many of our guests who are experiencing homelessness come from, we thought that would be a great location. We also decided to stick with our Sunday night serving time, which is a time in the week when many community meals and soup kitchens are taking a break. You see, probabilities affect much of what we do. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. In fact, I want to affirm decisions that are made to increase the odds of avoiding needless pain and suffering and promoting the most good. But if there's anything that we can take from our scripture lessons today, it's that God is a God of improbable outcomes. Let's take a look by starting with our first reading from Genesis. At 99 years old, God makes the covenant with Abraham, promising that he and Sarah will be exceedingly numerous and that they will have ancestors and they will be ancestors of a multitude of nations. I think if God wanted a higher probability of success with fertility here, maybe God would make a covenant with someone younger than 99 years old. That would just be my take on all of that. But I'm not God. We remember in this story that we worship a God of improbable outcomes. And Paul, in his reading, in his writings from Romans today, he elaborates on this story and the audacious covenant that God would make with Abraham and Sarah when 
In Paul's words, Abraham's body was as good as dead, and Sarah's womb was barren. Even in the face of such odds, Paul describes Abraham and Sarah as hoping against hope that they would bear a child in their old age. Their trust and faith remain steadfast in the covenant that God made with them. They were fully convinced that God would do what God promised. But before we get too far ahead of ourselves, admiring the faith of Abraham and Sarah, we have to remember that from this past summer when we were reading this very same story, that this was actually the second covenant that God made with Abraham and Sarah regarding their fertility and their ability to bear a child. This was the second covenant. And between that first and second covenant, Abraham and Sarah actually got impatient with God's first improbable covenant. And they took the matter into their own hands. They wanted to increase their odds of having a child. And so Abraham conceived a child with Hagar. And even after this second covenant is made, after Hagar gives birth to Ishmael, even after this second covenant, when the Lord comes to visit Sarah and Abraham and says to them that Sarah will bear a son, Sarah laughs to herself as she overhears the Lord saying that. The Lord responds, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? Is there anything too wonderful for the Lord? At the set time, I will return to you in due season, and Sarah shall have a son. All of this is to say that even Sarah and Abraham, who received not one, but two direct covenants from God about having a son in their old age, they still have their doubts and decide to take matters into their own hands and create their own more probable outcome. God is still a God of improbable outcomes. And eventually Isaac is born to Sarah and born against all odds. But it's our doubt and our desire, desire to have more probable certainty in our lives. It's not going to prevent God from creating life in places where we thought death had prevailed or create love where we thought hatred had prevailed or create light where we thought darkness had prevailed or create goodness where we thought evil had prevailed. But we still doubt. We still have these moments where our desire for more certainty overcomes us. But we can still sing the hymn by Desmond Tutu. Goodness is stronger than evil. Love is stronger than hate. Light is stronger than darkness. Life is stronger than death. Victory is ours. Victory is ours through God who loves us. Victory is ours. Victory is ours through God who loves us. That's the hymn we can sing when we are in those moments of doubt and desire for certainty. We can sing to this God of improbable outcomes. So what does our gospel today from Mark have to say about this God of improbable outcomes? Well, for one, Jesus tells his disciples that he must undergo suffering, he must die, and that he will rise again after three days from the dead. And this suffering and death and resurrection, it's 
too improbable for Peter to handle. So he rebukes Jesus, to which Jesus rebukes Peter right back and says, get behind me, Satan, for you're setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Maybe what Jesus is saying to us is that our way, our human way of doing things is not God's way. Having our mind on human things is like doing everything to keep everything under control. So we project that on God. We hope that God too is a God who controls everything around us. But the love of God is anything but controlling. Well, we might make our decisions based on probability or make calculated decisions to avoid suffering. Jesus will not dial back his own ministry to spare his own life or even ease his own suffering. You see, Jesus loves with reckless abandon and does not control our response to this love. And that's why he's killed. He's killed because his vision of God's kingdom and his commitment to the healing of humanity literally knows no limits, and we could not handle that. But even the death of Christ cannot control or contain God's love or life-giving power. And Jesus, in fact, rises from the dead, making for us an improbable covenant that we, too, will experience resurrection by the power of God's grace. Despite this improbable covenant that we have with God, we are sure to doubt God's victory over death, evil, hatred, and darkness. And we will make decisions like Abraham and Sarah that attempt to take this covenant into our own, own hands and make the outcome more probable or predictable. But God is still a God of improbable outcomes. Jesus is asking of us now an improbable, if not an impossible thing to follow him by denying ourselves and taking up our crosses. Jesus even goes on to say, for those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. This improbable challenge sets out for us the cost of discipleship. And while there is real Christian persecution in this world, I think many American Christians have erroneously tried to claim this persecution for themselves, as we have seen most recently in our world, for not being able to worship in person during this pandemic. But I want to relay the words to you of one biblical scholar who put it this way. What makes the ministry of Jesus countercultural and therefore the object of earthly hostility is not that it is quote-unquote Christian per se, but that it abides no impediment for the immediate restoration of the broken and the outcast. Let me say that one more time, just so you get it. What makes the ministry of Jesus countercultural, and therefore the object of earthly hostility, is not that it's Christian per se, but that it abides no impediment to the immediate restoration of the broken and the outcast. That's the reality. This improbable imagination that Jesus is trying to get us to see with. But our efforts, our efforts are to make things more probable or more predictable. And those aren't all entirely bad. 
but we have to acknowledge the ways in which our probable and predictable lives are at most times an, an attempt to save ourselves, an attempt to save ourselves from having to hope against hope and trust in God's improbable outcomes for our lives and for the life of this world. We can easily talk ourselves out of these improbable divine things that Jesus wants us to see. If we just have some probable human things in our presence, and we would rather put our trust in those. But as we will soon see come Easter, death, evil, hatred, and darkness, they have already lost. And we need not give them any more power because victory is ours. Victory is ours through God who loves us. Amen.
with the whole church, let us confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray for the church and for all people in need. God of mercy and might, bless your church throughout the world. Uphold those believers who suffer for the sake of your gospel. Let us pray, Lord, have mercy. Bless the earth. Save the animals and their habitats from wild and uncontrolled weather. Teach humanity to live respectful of nature and to join you in tending to creation's well-being. Let us pray, Lord have mercy. Bless the nations of the world. Raise up advocates for peace and justice within and between nations. Give life where hope seems dead. Call into existence new realities we cannot even imagine. Let us pray, Lord have mercy. Bless Charles Cole and all who suffer in body, mind and spirit. Restore medical systems and comfort all who mourn, who are sick or dying. Lead us out of the practices of discrimination. We remember especially those we name in the chat or by our unmuting. Ellen Paso, Ruth Ann Ozenberg. Mary for Cassidy. Let us pray, Lord have mercy. Bless families, those in our community, those waiting at national borders, those whose struggles are known only to you. Keep children safe, sustain expected parents and those facing infertility. Accompany everyone who lives alone let us pray, Lord, in your mercy. Bless Grady and Courtney preparing for baptism and those preparing to affirm their baptism at Easter. Let us pray, Lord, have mercy. Praises to you, O God, for Blessed Mary, Charles and John Wesley, George Hubert, Perpetua and Felicity and Companions, 
and centuries of saints whose faithfulness inspire our Lenten journey. Bless those who mourn and half the million dead of the virus. Let us pray, Lord, have mercy. We entrust ourselves and all our prayers to you, O God, holy and mighty, holy and immortal, through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. I'd like to once again say a word of welcome to everyone here tonight. Um, I want to first start by thanking everybody for your continued generosity to Holy Trinity. We are so grateful uh, for all of the ways in which you continue to give generously, um, whether it be online, through Venmo, or by mailing checks to our office. All of that is being received and is greatly, greatly appreciated by all of us here in this community. Tonight is a forum after worship, and I hope you'll stick around. It is going to be um, our chance to hear back from the discernment conversations that we've had this past month. We had three weeks straight of uh, discernment conversations. Actually, it was in January as well, but um, we are going to be talking about now what? What does this discernment maybe lead us to? What are some themes or connections that we can make uh, between some of the answers that people gave as they were listening for what God uh, was calling us to do as a community? So I encourage you to stick around, hear a bit of the insight that we were able to gain from our discernment conversations. I want to remind everybody too that there are options for you this Lent if you want to do something beyond just worship on Saturday nights. Um, there is options uh, to receive uh, digital uh, instructions from our uh, ministry and context seminarian Taylor Walker, who's doing a, a Lenten project this year. Um, so if you want to be included on her emails that have some prayers and some activities you can do throughout the week, let Taylor know. You can also still join our book study. Uh, we're studying the book Sanctuary, Being Christian uh, in the Wake of Trump by Reverend Heidi Newmark. And that's on Wednesday nights at 6 p.m., uh, if you're interested in joining that discussion, this week is actually a great week to join us because we will have the author, Reverend Heidi Newmark, with us uh, to discuss her book. And so I'd encourage you, encourage you to join us and the members from Holy Family who are a part of that conversation. And finally, on Thursday nights, we have an opportunity for evening prayer. Uh, so a midweek service on Thursday nights at 7 p.m. Uh, this week is going to be a Vesper service. This past week was a uh, hold an evening prayer service that we hosted. Uh, but I encourage you to check that out and to join us for evening prayer at 7 p.m. on Thursday nights as well. Coming up this Tuesday night is our next anti-racism ministry meeting uh, for the month of March. Uh, this will be an important meeting for us. We're going to be uh, nominating and taking nominations for a leadership team that we hope to um, put into place as we go forward with this ministry. Uh, so if you'd like to be a part of that conversation and hear more about how we're starting to develop leaders uh, to lead this ministry forward, please join us on Tuesday night at 6.30. And finally, for any parents out there, tomorrow morning is a Sunday school uh, morning. So I encourage you to um, get your kids up to join uh, the Zoom Sunday school that'll be happening after worship tomorrow. Uh, so that are, those are my announcements for now. And uh, if there's anything else, you can always check our website uh, for more information about all of those things that I've mentioned. But let us now continue with our liturgy with the thanksgiving for the word. Gracious God, who has named and claimed us, 
calling us your beloved children. You know the secrets of our hearts. When we sin and stray from your paths, you astound us with your saving grace. For this word of life, we give you thanks. Loving Jesus, living word, in you the kingdom of God has come near. Through you, all that was lost has been found. Help us to boldly follow wherever you may lead, trusting your promise that we need not fear, for you are with us. For this word of life, we give you thanks. Holy Spirit, the mystery in which we dwell, into our scarcity, your abundance flows. Enliven all our communities with your good news. Guide us to love and serve Jesus, giving ourselves away for the sake of the world. For this word of life, we give thanks. All glory to you, holy God, now and forever. Amen. And now I invite you to join me with the ancient gesture of outstretched hands as we pray the Lord's Prayer. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. May Christ, who calls you to take up your cross, give you strength to bear your own and one another's burdens. And may God bless you now and forever. In the name of the Holy Trinity, one God. Amen.
Go in peace. Remember the poor. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. And now I once again invite you, if you're comfortable, to turn on your video camera and to enter into gallery view as we share a sign of peace with one another. The peace of Christ be with you always.